are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I love being here with you, and I love getting to worship with you like this. Uh, appreciate so much the band. You agree? Isn't it great? So one of my favorite worship songs right now is the song we did at the, at the very end, Never Change. Do you love that? Do you know who wrote that song? It's actually our pastor, Chad. That is his song. And so we love the talent God's given him. On October the 12th, that song will be released on, will be released on all digital uh, networks. And so you can go to, you know, Amazon Music or iTunes or Spotify or whatever and download it. You can also follow our worship band uh, under the name, artist named BFC Royal. We believe that we have been adopted by the King of Kings and we are now part of this royal family. So BFC Royal Music, follow them. And uh, we're really grateful. Speaking of music, last Sunday we had a special musical artist here. Do you remember Andre? And uh, he was awesome. And I was sitting right there when the service was, uh, you know, almost time for me to preach. And Andre was was uh, up here with uh, Bailey Spindle and they were doing their song and it was great. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, wait a minute. Chad asked me if I would give him a shout out when I stand up, ask you to follow him. And I realized I don't know his name. And so um, I grabbed a, an order of service that I'm given every Sunday, and right there it said, Bethany Spindle and Andre Lead, and I thought, oh, great, I've just saved the day. And so I came up uh, at this point last week, and I said, hey, how did you like Bethany Spindle and Andre Lead? And everybody clapped and everything, and I felt like I'm a hero, I've just done something awesome, you know. And, uh, and I said, hey, you got to follow Andre Lead on, you know, Spotify and listen to his music, and had no idea, no idea. Walk into the office Monday morning and say to Chad, hey, notice how I uh, found Andre's name on my own. He said, that's totally not his name. (laughs) And I said, no, but on the worship order it says Andre Lead. And he goes, it also says Chad Pray, Rick Preach, Andre Lead. Like lead the song, you know. (laughs) And so (laughs) his name is Dre McCoy. You know, it's not even. So I had people last week saying, you know that Andre Lee guy? I've been Googling him. It's like he does not exist. <laughs> so he doesn't exist. It was totally, you know, bummed by me. I'm sorry about that. It seems like there's a lot of things in life I don't get right. You know, I just don't get stuff right a lot. And one of the things, being very confessional with you, that I've struggled to get right over the years is this very conversation that we're in right now. This series about finding common ground with people who are different from me. I struggle. Or being able to live with my arms open to people who are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's something that I want God to really change about me. So I'm going to put a sentence up. And for some of you, I'm just going to level with you. It's going to be offensive. You're going to be like, take it down. Others of you are going to say, no, it's okay, it's my story, that's, that's the truth. Others are going to say, that's not my story, but it might be the story of some. Some of you are going to react and some of you are going to respond, okay? So I'm going to put it up and you just got to do what you got to do. You ready? Here we go. We say we really want to lead, really want to rather reach people. And I mean by that, people who are not in a relationship with Jesus. We say we really want to reach people. But everything we do says we really don't. So it's easy to say, I I, want to reach people who are not in a relationship with Jesus. 
I want to share Jesus with them. We say we really want to, but everything we do, the way we actually live our lives every day, says, no, we really don't. You might remember me telling you I read an awesome book a few months ago by a guy whose name is James K. Smith. And the book is titled, You Are What You Love. It's an awesome book. And James K. Smith says we tend to live towards what we want and what we love. Can't help it. You just do. So I find myself every morning of my life standing over coffee. I'm going to find coffee. Because we live toward what we really want. We live toward what we really love. We're going to find a way. It happens automatically. We don't even think about it. It just happens. And so I could say to you that I want to be in better shape. It's just not true. What I really want is the next donut or the next scoop of ice cream. I wish I was in better shape, okay? But it's not really what I want. It's not really what I love. So we can say that we really want to reach people who are not in relationship with Jesus. But everything we do says we really don't. What we really want is to do these other things that we busy ourselves doing. But we've been looking at Paul a lot in this series. And look at what he says. Let me remind you. He, he said, I have become a slave. He doesn't say, I think about becoming a slave or I want to become a slave or I desire to become a slave. He says, no, this is how I live. I do this. I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Listen to these words. I try to find common ground. He doesn't say... I want to try to find common ground. I desire to try to find... No, I do it. This is a way of life for me. This is the way I behave. I try to find common ground with everybody. Doing everything I can to save some. See, Paul really wanted to connect with people. And the way that he lived his life every day demonstrated that. So I don't ask this of you very often, but I'm going to ask it of you, okay? I'm going to ask you to write something down. I'm going to ask you to get your phone or get the worship card you were given when you came in. There's a place for sermon notes. I'm going to ask you to bend over and get that pencil in front of you or out of your purse or grab your phone or grab a piece of paper. I'm going to ask you to write it down because here's what I would love. I would love for all week you to ponder this idea, okay? Just think about it. Let it kind of soak in. And here's what I want you to write down, okay? You ready for me? What if we woke up in the morning? That's what I want you to write down, okay? What if we woke up in the morning? Can you write that much already? What if we woke up in the morning praying for, you with me? And planning to. What if we, meaning me and you, like all of us, what if we woke up in the morning praying for and planning to connect with people Am I going too fast or are you okay? Wave if I'm going too fast. What if we woke up in the morning praying for and planning to connect with people who are not in a relationship with Jesus? I mean, what if that's just the way that you roll? What if that's the way you live your life? What if we woke up in the morning praying for and planning to connect with people who are not in a relationship with Jesus? What if that was just... The way that your life unfolds every day, you wake up in the morning 
And, and you're already beginning to pray for and plan to connect with people who are not in a relationship with Jesus. See, as I understand Jesus, He's asking me and you to pray that God will raise up people who wake up in the mornings praying for and planning to connect with people who are not in a relationship with Jesus. Let me show you. Okay, it's in Matthew chapter 9. And here's what happens as Matthew tells the story of Jesus. He says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and denouncing the good news about the kingdom. Okay? So Jesus wasn't able just to hang around the house. Jesus didn't just stay in his own backyard. Jesus gets out and he goes all the towns and villages. He's proclaiming the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And then Matthew says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. So literally this means that, that Jesus was moved emotionally. He had compassion on them because they were confused and they were helpless. They were, they were kind of like sheep without a, well, without a shepherd. And so here's what Jesus says to his, to his disciples. Hey guys, the harvest, well, I mean, it's, it's great. It's, it's massive. It's huge. But the workers, well, there's not many of them. They're few. And so I want you to pray. Okay, Jesus, what do you want us to pray for? I want you to pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask Him to send more workers into His fields. Because the harvest is great. But there just aren't very many workers. So last Sunday, I preached in the first service at 9 o'clock about wanting to be able to better find common ground with people who are not like me, to really become friends with those people, to add value to their lives, let them add value to my life, and to have real friendships Believing that one day they would see Jesus in my life and that I could enter into faith conversations with them and maybe one day bring them to my church and share Jesus with them. And then in the second service, at this hour, 11.15, I preached the same sermon. And then at 6 o'clock on last Sunday night, I was back here and I was in the atrium with a few hundred people and we talked more about how can we better share Jesus with people in our world. How can we do what Jesus is talking about here? And so I leave kind of in a hurry at 7 o'clock to run down to Bricktown to help celebrate a birthday, okay, of this lady. And so um, we get to Bricktown and we're late and we're kind of walking fast trying to get to this restaurant where this party was. And, uh, and this guy, never seen before in my life, kind of steps out in front of our hurry selves and he says to us, excuse me, but do you love Jesus? 
Boy, I had to process that. That took a minute. You know what I'm saying? I'm, just, I'm down in Bricktown. I'm just walking in a hurry, going somewhere. And this guy in this Eastern Indian accent said, Excuse me, but do you love Jesus? And I said, uh, Actually, I do. I love Jesus with all my heart. And he says, That's wonderful. Would you receive this? And so this was the paper. And I said, sure. And I reach out my hand and he gives it to me. And it says, Jesus loves you. And on the inside, it talks about the fact that God loves you. Jesus loves you. How to accept Jesus into your heart. How to be forgiven of sins, etc. And I walked away after this whole day of focusing on this. I, I just was kind of taken aback. Okay, so now I'm just going to admit to you something, okay? My approach and his approach are not the same. Okay? I'll say it again. I don't think I need to say more. My approach and his approach are not the same. But, I think me and that guy have something in common. I think that we are both convinced that there are a lot of people in this world that I live and function in who do not have a relationship with Jesus. And I think we also agree on this other fact, and that is that there doesn't seem to be very many people who are passionate about sharing that good news. See, I think he and I both agree that there are just a whole lot of people in the world that we live in who are not in a relationship with Jesus, but there are not very many people who have this idea that Jesus is establishing something new on this earth, the kingdom of God, and everybody gets invited to participate, okay? It's like you can start your whole life over again, and all of your past sins get forgiven, and you become this new and better person. It's like you're born again. There doesn't seem to be very many people who are passionate about telling other people that really good news. And so I think this is where it starts. So I'm going to ask you the question. Jesus' words that I just shared with you a moment ago, are they relevant today? In other words, here's what I'm asking you. Do you believe the harvest is still great? And do you believe the workers are still few? I think that's the starting point for all of us. Do you believe 2,000 years later, this is still true? Do you believe the harvest is still great? There's a lot of people who are not in relationship with Jesus. And do you believe the workers are still few? You know, when I started preaching like 30 years ago, I used to stand up on Sundays and say, Do you realize that on the weekends... Only three out of every five Americans go to church. Let's go get the other two. Do you know what I have to say now? Did you know that only one out of every five Americans go to church on the weekend? So based on that, I think the harvest is great. And, and the Christian community of the Church of Jesus Christ in the United States of America, I don't see a great passion for people saying, we've got to tell people this really good news about Jesus. 
So what are you going to do with the heart of Jesus? What are you going to do with the words of Jesus? What do you do with the calling of Jesus? What do you do about what Jesus is saying? One of the most sobering moments I've had was only a couple of years ago when somebody standing up just threw out a, a statement to a room full of people and I was in the room and they said, what if everybody in your church reached out to people like you do? Would that be a good thing? And I remember thinking to myself, I'm the pastor. I'm the guy who is leading the church. And no, it would not be a good thing. But can I expect the people that come every Sunday and sit under my preaching, can I expect them to rise above me in this thing of sharing faith and to begin a whole new journey for me? And I'll give you just a summary of that at the very end of the sermon. So um, this week, a guy in the church sent me an email with an article about a lady whose name is Kristen who lives down in Austin, Texas. Kristen said... um, I became very weary in my neighborhood of garage doors going up and down and people disappearing into their homes. She said, we're all too busy. We don't connect with each other anymore. She went on to say that she had come to understand that over 50% of Americans have no idea who their neighbors are. So who lives next door? Don't know. Well, who lives on that side? No idea. And so she said, struggling with this in her mind and her heart, one day, planning for a party at her house, she ordered an inexpensive picnic table from Lowe's. And the guy who delivers the picnic table, after he puts it off the truck into her front yard, says to her, Ma'am, where do you want it? In the backyard? And she said, I stood there with this conversation in my head, almost a dare. And I said, no, leave in the front yard. And I thought, what if I moved all of my backyard activities into my front yard? I went back to Lowe's and got a can of turquoise paint and I painted the table turquoise. And it sat there in my front yard. Why turquoise? I've got no idea. She said, people would say to me, why do you have a turquoise picnic table in your front yard? And she said, my response was really simple. So I can meet and get to know people like you. And she said, usually they would just sit down and we would talk. She said, you know, it's simple. It's it's easy. On Friday afternoons, we have front yard Fridays in my neighborhood. And she said, what started out as some kids coming over for a snack and maybe even tutoring with their homework ended up with about 30-some people in my front yard Friday afternoon into the night Friday night. And I realized that what people really wanted was just to connect with somebody and to have somebody listen to what they had to say and to feel like somebody cared. She said it was kind of a throwback to the old days of when people would sit on their front porch and actually have face-to-face conversations with people who were passing by. But she said, in this world where we are always looking down, engaged with our smartphones, there is a need to have face-to-face conversations with people again. And I've been amazed of how my neighbors 
have responded. So when I read the article, I thought to myself, in light of this, it kind of reminds me of Jesus. I'm not going to lie to you. Jesus was not able to hang out in his backyard. In fact, Jesus gets out of the backyard. In fact, when Matthew tells the story, he says it like this. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom, and healing every disease and illness. So so here's what Matthew is saying. He's saying, you want to know what Jesus did? Jesus did this. Jesus simply went to where the people were. I got to hang out with the people. Now, let me take a minute and talk theology with you, okay? So we have a word in church world that probably many of you would say, yeah, I'm familiar with that word, and I think I have an understanding of what it means. And the word is incarnation, okay? So when we say incarnation, what we really mean by that is God came to us. And what we continue to mean by that is that God comes to us. So what does it mean to live incarnationally? Here's what it means. Incarnational living is the immersion of oneself in a local culture. All right? So so here's what happens when you read the Gospel of John. God enters our world. God comes into a culture. God immerses Himself into a local culture. And the the way that you read it in the Gospel of John is, is like this. The Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us. John is basically saying, you know what God did? God moved into one of our neighborhoods. And He lived among real-life people. And He had real eye-to-eye conversations with real-life people. And He spoke their language. And He hung out with them. And He prayed with them. And He talked to them about God. Incarnational living. And so Jesus just continued to be God. And so he just goes to the villages and the towns where the people are. And he lives among them. And he hangs out with them. And he becomes a friend of people who were very different from him. In fact, he did it so well that they nicknamed him Friend of Sinners. Hey Jesus, hanging out with any sinners today? (laughs) Because that's what he did. And he talked to them about this whole other way to live life. So what do you do? Jesus says, okay, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Jesus says, I want you to pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. And ask him to, now this is a big word, okay? Huge word right here, S-E-N-D, big word. Jesus said, okay, go talk to the Lord of the harvest in charge 
and ask him to send more workers into his fields. So how do you feel about and do you grasp the idea that God actually sends people? All right. It's 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 been God all along. God sent Abraham. God sent Isaiah. God sends. Okay. Jesus said himself, hey, I didn't come on my own. Guess what? The father, he sent me. And then after the resurrection, Jesus says, you know, I told you the father sent me. All right. Now I'm sending you guys. And you know what he means, right? I want you to get into this rhythm of incarnational living. I want you to enter the world of other people who are not like you. Who are not in relationship with Jesus. And I want you to hang out with them. And I want you to become friends. Audacity is an awful word in a sense, I think, but might not be a bad word here. The audacity to think that they should all come and find us. Yeah, they should enter our world. I read someone recently who said, hey, it's not called the Great Invitation. It's called the Great Commission. It's about going, right? It's about sending. Now God is saying, I want you to go. I I think it's interesting that we become the answer to our own prayers because I think that's what God really desires. As we pray, Lord, send more workers. Raise up an army of people who will wake up in the morning praying for and planning to connect with people who are not in a relationship with Jesus. And I think He's saying, it's probably going to be you. So I don't know if you happened to see this this past week, but in the world of golf, a guy named Bernard Langer was given the Payne Stewart Award. It's, it's an important deal if you love golf. And the Lord wants all of you to love golf, by the way. <laughs> and so um, he's accepting this award. It's an ESPN special. And Langer says... All of the money, and all of the cars, and all of the houses, and all of the fame did not fulfill an emptiness inside of me. He said, the day after I won the Masters was the emptiest I have felt in all of my life. It wasn't until I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ that that emptiness in me was filled. You remember how Augustine said it? Augustine says, um, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless. Until we find rest in you. Here's the way Matthew sums up Jesus. He says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed. They were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not trying to say, you know what, the world is just, you know, 
If they would just listen to me, I don't have an arrogance about me, but I'm saying this simply that everybody is longing for relationship with God until they find it. Everybody is empty until they know Jesus. It's the way we're created. We can't help it. Everybody has a longing for God. So what happened to me after I uh, had a pretty serious moment of realizing that uh, I'm a work in progress and I'm not where I need to be in finding common ground with people who are not like me or living with my arms open to people who are not in a relationship with Jesus. Um, I began to kind of work through this little process. Let me, let me share it with you. I felt like the Lord gave me a prayer to pray. And I began to pray this prayer. I call it an open arms prayer. We talk about living with our arms open, okay? And so the open arms prayer is simply this. Um, God, bring someone into my life today. Give me the wisdom to see them. And the grace to open my arms to them. Okay? It was amazing to me when I began to pray this prayer that it wouldn't take but a few days until God would say to me, there he is. I don't mean audibly now. I've never had that happen. But I mean, I would sense the Spirit saying, okay, Rick, you've been praying. There, there he is. Right there's the guy. Oh, are you serious? That's him? Wow. It amazes me when we begin to pray this way, how God answers our prayers. And the second thing is I begin with, to journal. I, it, was, it was accountability. If, to say I'm going to pray is one thing, to actually write down the prayers. And I would begin to pray for these people that God was bringing into my life. I would just begin to write out the prayers. And it was great accountability for me, but it kept me really focused too because I, my mind's everywhere, you know. And, and then what I begin to do is say, okay, now God, help me to live with open arms. So in my journaling I would pray, Lord, what should I do next? Should I invite this person to this? Should I give them a call? Should I send a text? How do I live with open arms? How do I make basically time and space for this person in my life? How can I become their friend and really add value to their life long before I ever say anything to them about Jesus? And then the last step is being accountable to somebody else. It's easy to let important things go, but if every month I know I'm going to sit down with somebody and I'm going to open my journal, I'm going to say, okay, here's what's been going on. Here's the person God brought into my life, and here's how I've been praying. And let me tell you some really good news. Here's what happened last week. It's really simple. Take a picture of it with your phone. You know, maybe you could begin today praying this prayer. And you might be shocked to realize that by the end of the week or maybe next week, God says, there she is. And you're going, whoa, really? (laughs) That's her? Yep, that's her. I want you to live with your arms open to that person. And you begin to pray. Just journal and pray, you know. And then begin to just live it out. And be accountable to somebody. Will you be my accountability partner? Can we be accountable to each other? Can I be accountable to this small group? And about once a month, just bring your journals and say, this is where I'm at. This is how I'm doing. And so I know we're in this series, and this series is going on for a few weeks, but I just got up this morning thinking, is today the day that God does something in somebody's heart 
And, and somehow there's a movement from hearing about it and thinking about it and thinking it's a good idea. I sat in the foyer after church on Sunday. People said, I really like this series. It's a really good series. Could we move from that place to actually doing something? So you remember James K. Smith, the statement I made earlier, the book that he wrote. We say we really want to reach out to people, but everything we do says we really don't. What if, Pastor Rick, I don't really want to? What if it's not a desire of mine? What if, in fact, I really want to do some things I shouldn't be doing? He would say, you know, certain practices God will use. As you engage in certain practices, God will use them. To change your heart. Practices like praying this prayer. Practices like journal praying for people. Practices like living with my arms open. Practices like accountability. And all of a sudden when I talk to many people who begin living like this, they say, you know what? This is becoming really, really important to me. God's changing me. James K. Smith would say it's like God recalibrates our hearts and helps us to begin to desire the things we should desire. It's the Spirit working in us. So, last thing I'm going to say, and then I'm going to turn you loose out of here, okay? We are starting a series, October 14th, that is a great invite series. In the back, when you leave at both entrances, all entrances, there are these cards. The series is called Giants. What keeps you awake at night? What haunts you during the day? What is it in your life that you can't overcome? What is the giant that you are facing? It starts on the 14th of October. It's a great invite series. And I think if I'm going to challenge you to do this, then I need to give you great opportunities for you to invite friends. And so, take some of these cards with you and begin to pray about who is already in my life that I'm living with the arms open to that I should invite to this series. We're talking about giants like rejection and loss and temptation to sin and uncertainty and on and on. It'll be an awesome series. And let me remind you that we're adding during that series another worship service. The service will be in the Family Life Center in the worship room. And it may be that you have a friend who can't make it on Sunday morning because they work. That service will be at 5 o'clock. Same sermon. Same service. Just at a different time in a smaller setting. Or maybe it's somebody who just doesn't want to come to this church maybe for whatever reason. It's like a new congregation forming over there. A smaller setting. Only a couple of hundred people maybe. Who could you invite to that? And I've already been inviting people. And you know what they're telling me? I'll come. Okay, I'll come. And so this is a great opportunity for you to live out this conversation we're having today about finding common ground with people who are different from me and opening my arms to people who are not in a relationship with Jesus. Okay? Okay. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're just going to let you greet one another and hang out for a minute. And be, be dismissed, okay? So, Father, thanks for meeting with us today. Thanks for giving us Jesus. What an example. 
We want to be like Jesus. Help us to be like Jesus. To love like Jesus loved. To care like Jesus cared. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.